Hey everybody, it's Rahel Castillo here, and I wanted to announce formally that we're part of the Believe Network. So, what is the Believe Network? It's a sports and an entertainment studio, and really, there's a podcast for every single thing you can think of. There's a Detroit Lions one, there's a Cincinnati Bengals one, there's over 500 shows on this network, and so... They came to us, they liked our show, and they also picked up the Tiger Minor League Report as well. So everything Tiger-related, we got you covered on the Believe Network. So just wanted to explain a little better because details last week I was kind of fuzzy on, but now get some clarity on it. So sit back, and you will see our episodes format change a little bit. It's not going to be the hour and a half stuff. Sometimes what will happen is we'll load two episodes, one being 30 minutes, the other shorter, bite-sized bits of content makes it easier and also I know some of you tend to go ahead and tend to listen to our podcast in bits so hopefully this helps thanks for your time and enjoy the show so as far as the trade uh did you guys like the trade Uh, obviously it fills the void of a veteran outfielder and in terms of payroll wise, not that much considering how much payroll has come off the books. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I can't find anything to complain about about the trade. I think it's been said before by multiple people, but if this is the only thing they do, then it's pretty meh. But if it's a stepping stone onto multiple things, then it's looking pretty good. What about you, Uber? Yeah, yeah, I like that they acted quickly. You know, they didn't, they, they made a move that they wanted to make. They obviously targeted him as someone they view as helpful. It's a one-year deal. Not much can go wrong in one year, <laughs> you know? So uh, even though that he is, what, 34, he'd be 35 on opening day, a little long in the tooth, but when you're only talking one more year, hopefully they've called it right and they can milk one decent year out of him. I like the on-base percentage quite a bit. He has, you know, average-ish power. He's shown above average power a couple times in the past, but I think last year he slugged like 400. But I like the 355 on base. I mean, they certainly need a a big shot on base into their lineup. So if he can continue to give them that for a year, that could come in handy. First and foremost, by the way, I have to give a shout out to Bloodright. Thank you for the $5. And I got to find it. There we go. Exquisite. Off the Frickers building. And good to see you. Also good to see Tyler, both Tyler's in here in the house this evening. Yes. And there was a comment in here that cracked me up. That was talking about the, I swear on any given show, people named Tyler make up 10% of the active viewers. And that's, that's a pretty good, funny, a pretty funny comment there. So, but uh, you know, no, yeah. You're uh, and deadly ninja. B said it correctly too, that can't uh, is a typical prototype player it is to a T controls the strike zone. That's something that, is very apparent with him. So, so getting to the rest of the roster moves. So, like I said, we mentioned before, Baez opting in. Carson Kelly, the Tigers picked up his option. Tigers also added Kyder Montero to the forty-man roster, and that was a smart move considering that he led the minor leagues last year in strikeouts. He, again, just like some of the other pitchers that were in the system this year, changed work with his grips, work with the organization and got progressively better as the year went on. He struggled a little bit in Toledo, but again, that's three levels in one year. Can't argue the results there. And he was set to be a minor league free agent. As far as minor league free agent list goes, it is a who's who of prospects and 
we'll get to the other some of the other players involved with uh, like well, Tyler Alexander being one of them too. Zach Short was picked up by the Mets, but as far as notable names on the minor league free agent side who have chosen free agency, Ronnie Garcia. There was Trey Wengetter, Elvis Alvarado, who was at one point a top prospect, Jack Olafigan, which kind of surprised me a little bit. And there was the former outfielder who became a pitcher, DJ Peters. Everybody forgot about that experiment. But three catchers in Mario Feliciano, Julio Rodriguez, and Michael Proparski, as I have to say with the accent like that, because Chris Lakes when we say it like that. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's just a the kind of a continuing Per, I don't say purge, but you're going to see more and more of the old guard prospects being out there. But yeah, Tyler Alexander being waived was no, kind of was no surprise to me a little bit because it's based, based on injury. And I think the Tigers were probably going to seek something else out, elsewhere. Uh, Andrew Vasquez cleared waivers and was sent back to the minors. Is that correct? He elected free agency. Oh, he did. Like the, train, train okay. Leader. So, yeah, <laughs> I like I like this here, like the minor league free agents, a bunch of computer generated players. But, yeah, that's where right now old BK, that's a good question there. And that's something that was asked at the press conference, too, when what we're sitting in with Harris was, does that push Verley in third base? And he kind of avoided that question. He did talk to the media today and as the GM meetings are out underway. Minor league, well, excuse me, major league meetings are also out in Vegas, but. The GM meetings are elsewhere, I believe it is. And I'm thinking, I don't think it's Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Scottsdale where the Arizona fall league just concluded by the way, Jackson Job and who was not, who did not play in the all in the Arizona fall league all-star game was elected. Same with Jace Young. He did play though. So that leaves a question about Akil Badu. I'm going to ask this question to everybody in the room here. And it looks like we're getting some people that are already asking about this. That means that Badu's days are numbered. Harris keep vague about it, but you probably I'll go with you because you you and I have spoken about GM talk. And yeah. I think you're becoming you're you're becoming a, a decipher of GM talk. And he <laughs> kind of he, he was suggesting that you know Kiel Badu has a a spot on his team. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening? I could see it happening. I mean the the offseason is very young. We don't know who's gonna get moved, who's gonna still be there in April. With Badu, correct me if I'm wrong, he has an option left. So there's really no big hurry to get rid of him. He's going to be dirt cheap for another year. He is still young enough where he could develop into a player. I know a lot of people do not believe that. They believe they've seen enough. I don't. We, we see late-blooming players all the time. He has the athletic ability. I'm still convinced when, when I see him, when he does hit a home run, he never hits a fence scraper. He hits bombs and guys who can hit bombs. That's not a, a fluke. You know, he, there is some natural power there. He also does draw some walks. So I, I'm, I, and I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star. I'm not even saying he's going to be a regular, but I think he's a useful enough player where if until he's out of options, there's no reason to get rid of him. What about you, Cameron? So a few things. Akil Badu is actually a super two. I think uh, he hit super two status by like one or two days of service time. So he will be going to arbitration. So he's a little bit more than league minimum. Not that it really matters or should matter. And then the Scott Harris quote, just for sake, is he still very much fits in there. 
there is a role for him. We're not an organization that wants to give up players that can affect the game in the way for and that way for nothing. But that being said, I don't think he fits the Tigers roster anymore. I see him as part of a trade piece to the Yankees, mainly because I just got done listening to the Brian Cashman interview with the press and he talked about needing a left-handed outfielder. So I feel like Akil Badu is someone who could go to Yankee Stadium and hit 20 home runs rather easily. So yeah, I, I and then there's another thing with Austin Meadows being placed back on the 40. I'm surprised no one asked about that today, but if Austin Meadows, if we if Scott Harris has a better understanding of where Austin Meadows is, I might pick Austin Meadows over Akil Badu. The power ceiling is too high there to choose Badu over Meadows. You know, I just thought of too. Maybe Brian Cashman's having deja vu. Maybe he's thinking about training with the Tigers because it worked out well from the past. I mean, there was another left-handed outfielder with speed. One, Mr. Curtis Granderson, and he worked out pretty sure. well for New York. So that could be that's a that's a very good possibility, Cameron. I mean, that's a that's spot. I was just thinking about them. Like, why does this sound like deja vu? Oh wait, they've done this before. So the, the Tigers got Scherzer in that trade, right? Uh, what trade? That was wait, wait, wait the Curtis uh, Curtis Granderson trade. I think yeah, I got it was it that right. three way because we got yeah. like so Jackson got Austin, and Austin Scherzer. Jackson and Scherzer. Yeah, yeah, that came over from that because he wasn't going to. From my understanding, from what I heard later, he wasn't going to come back to Detroit. So that's what I what I heard. Yes. So looking at the transaction, yeah. So the Tigers also activated him off the 60-day DL, as Cameron mentioned. They also activated Casey Mize and Freddie Pacheco, a prospect pitcher who threw some really good heat, and he was recovering from Tommy John surgery. That's a guy who I would like to see hopefully get some time in the major leagues or at Toledo because they do have a little bit of a drop-off when it comes to the, the Blake Holub for the Brewers. That's a good pickup by the Brewers. They get a guy who really fastball slider. He still has a little bit of a walking problem, but I think the Brewers have been known to enhance miles, like get the most out of their pitcher pitching prospects. So I could see that being a guy at some point could come up from Milwaukee sooner than later. I mean, he, he did a really good job last year with uh, Tyler Madsen. Raj, does he, does he just touch 97 now and then, or is he at 97 a lot? He was, he touched 97. Now he was more only 96. He did touch 97 a few times. It was, he, he sat 96. Okay. So it's good arm. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good, like in one, we're talking to Harris about it. He said that, I mean, he was, he was saying, well, we didn't really want to give him up, but at the same time, they drew a place from depth. And that's mm-hmm. something that you got to give credit. And he gave, and he did give a lot of credit to Ryan Garko and development staff there with that. So definitely have the ability to look at that and go, all right, they are at least Garko and him and are Connor all on the same page. Because before there was kind of level of disconnect and they're all in the unison about this too. So Garko is producing and they're just letting him do what he's got to do with the development staff. So aren't Yankee, all, uh, Daily Ninja B says, aren't all Yankee prospects overrated? Not necessarily. I mean, I did see a lot of team, a lot of them in Somerset this year. There's a few guys, but in terms of a hypothetically getting in Tyler asks what we would hypothetically get for Badu for the Yankees. 
honestly, their their pitching is. I mean, I would maybe look at a catching possibility. I mean, maybe like somebody like Ty, Tyler Wells. Uh, that'd be you know, I wouldn't mind having Tyler Wells to address the catching depth. But I mean, without looking at the roster that or doing a deep dive right now, I would have to say probably the Tigers would probably have to get a starter a minor league starter or two, like a, or a lottery ticket, essentially, and may, probably a catcher. That's what I would yeah, think. That's, yeah, I don't think he has a – it's, so, it's such a juxtaposition, right? I, I think the guy has talent. I think there's something there. But I also don't think he's worth a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he just he just hit 220 or whatever it was and certainly had some issues. And he's, he's, he's only an okay defender despite the athletic ability, right? He still has some miscues out there that are a little – worrisome so if they got a low you know a lower minors starter or maybe just the next blake holub <laughs> from the yankees organization coming back i could see that the yankees still have i'm trying to think do they have uh, uh ifk i'm trying to think of if he's opting out this year or he's a free agent or not i think he's a free agent isn't he I believe yeah. IKF is a free agent. Yeah, I believe he is. I'm going to double check that right now. Yeah, because I saw him on the free agent. I saw him on a free agent list not too long ago. And I'm just trying to remember. By the way, I, IKF is Isaiah Kiner Falafa. And he is, yeah, he is a free agent. So he was signed, uh, was, he just got getting off a one year, $6 million deal. That's a guy who I actually could see. Tigers going after because he could play multiple positions. It's again, it's a thing that Tigers are like now doing. And uh, no, you're not late. Whoever you are, stranger. Thank you for joining us on the podcast this evening. Yeah, I'm not sure who you are. So anyway, but yes, yeah. I don't know what a package would look like with with the Yankees on that. But Joe wanted that. No, I'll get a real quick question. Questions in here. Alex, we'll address Austin Meadows here shortly. But this question: Does Young have a have a crack at the major leagues next year. Absolutely. I absolutely. I'm a lot of his hard hit balls were over 100 105 110. Like he was he was hitting the ball very hard in Arizona Fall League and in the last part of Erie uh towards the last part of the season. Like once he started connecting with everything, he was punishing mistakes pretty well. So if he could continue to do that, I think you could see him at some point in the majors next year. What position We'll see because <laughs> there was an interesting thing today that Foolish Baseball posted and, and Cameron good catch here on this where they're talking about guys with the highest WRC plus that are not in the majors yet. Cole Keith is one of them and Justin Henry Malloy is the other. So that now you have to consider that into the Tigers offseason plans. But again, I, I think the prospect, the beginning of tra- trading prospects will continue. So. Well, you know, you, you look at, for Jace Young, we have one year of track record now of Scott Harris, right? And he was in no particular hurry to get people to the majors last year. But this year was maybe a different year. I mean, if they have any designs on contending for the division this time, and a guy is on the if, if Young is on track for hitting 30 homers again, and if he's doing if he's playing like that, he may, you know, they may decide they need to get the talent to the majors to try to win the division depending how things are going. But last year, Colt Keith sat in the minors. Justin Henry Malloy sat in the minors. Meadows finally got his shot late. So I wouldn't think we're going to see Young in, in April. <laughs> That's for sure. 
Yeah, I think Jackson Job has a chance to make the majors next year as well. Yeah. Wilmer Flores. I think everyone you heard us talking about the past two years has a chance of making the majors next year. Yeah. And there's a there's somebody wage 78 in the chat said he heard, he heard a rumor about Tiger trading for Jonathan India. Has anybody else heard any and any truth to this? I haven't heard anything. It's been relatively quiet on that front because the same thing. With the, go ahead. You were, I'm sorry. There was a report out earlier today that lots of teams are inquiring about him. Right. Uh, he's, uh, he's a popular figure out there, but it sounds like the Reds are going to, you know, as they should, they're going to want a lot for him. So, you know, I think the Tigers uh, want him to play second base. It's, it's hard to say. I think we should remember throughout the whole offseason what Scott Harris said at the end of year press conference, which is he will not uh, go after players that will block prospects. I think Jonathan India is the type of guy that you want to play every day. And then you have Colt Keith, who you'd probably want to play every day. And I don't think Jonathan, I don't think he wants to trade prospect capital for someone that could block Colt Keith from playing every day. Yeah. It would be to me trading just would be unless they're look, unless they're, I I look at it this way. I know the Padres, we're going to get to the Padres fire sale thing here in a second, because Youper may even remember, Youper will remember this. And some people in the chat, this is not the first time that the Padres Mm -hmm. have done a fire sale. It's almost like the whites, like a broken clock that strikes twice or however that phrase goes. You expect the White Sox to fall apart and you expect the San, the San Diego Padres to tear down and rebuild. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the first time I remember witnessing this when I was when I was younger, I think 10 years old. Remember when they traded Roberto Almar Jr. and trade Fred McGriff? This, had, this team has had loaded with talent and then they just traded it away. So this is not the first. I mean, even after the 1998 World Series team, I think it was I think they traded Kevin Brown in the Marlins, I believe, or. Oh no, you know, I'm sorry. He came, Kevin Brown was traded after that too, or he signed elsewhere. So it's not the first time the Padres have done shenanigans like this. So 84, they did. So they lost to the Tigers in the World Series. They, in the next year or so, they moved Kevin McReynolds, they moved Ke- Mitchell, a lot of guys, you know. I think they sold off Terry Kennedy and a few others. So yeah, yeah it's I mean, kind of I mean, the DNA of the, of, the, of, the, of the organization. Yeah, you know what, though? That is a, that's a good reference point too, because I remember. I mean, mind you that Steve Garvey was towards the end of the career, same thing with Ron Say, and when they signed those veterans, and but everybody remembers Kurt Bakwala so well. Bakwa. Anyway. Bavakwa, yeah, thank you. Bavakwa. Yes, yes. The legend of Kurt Bavakwa. Yeah. <laughs> I loved him. Tyler brings up an idea about trading DDDs from the Giants, right-handed power. Call defender at third, one year left, so he won't block anybody. Harris has already traded once before. You know, Tyler, that's not that's not out of the realm of possibility because he, mm-hmm. there's a set of guys and, and Cameron, I think you have to test this based off on the press conference material you've been seeing. He has a set of guys he likes and there is, I'm sure there is some list somewhere like this. Well, you know, like it just has names on it listed everywhere. And he's like star star, or if he can't get them, cross them out. Something to that effect. And uh, yeah, I, I think that effect that, that, that is not out of the realm of possibility. I don't know what you guys think. If if you look at a lot of the guys that uh, Harris has acquired and the since he's joined the Tigers, if you go to their baseball reference, a lot of the time, the only thing that's read on their baseball reference page 
is chase percentage, whiff percentage, K percentage, or walk percentage. Seven, 99% of the time, 75% of those are red, at least three out of four of them. So if you think the Tigers or Harris likes a player and you go to their baseball reference page and they don't have uh, chase percentage, whiff percentage, K percentage, or walk percentage in the top 70th percentile, then I don't think Harris is going to be looking at them. Um, in the case for J.D. Davis, uh, it makes sense. Uh, he walks and he doesn't chase a lot um, and he hits the ball hard. So, Well, you know, you just I don't know if the Giants are looking to move J.D. Davis. That's the obviously it takes two to tango, right? Are they looking to move him? But let's say they are. I think we could draw something to the fact as, you know, what as kind of Cam is alluding to here. The Tigers just acquired Mark Canna on a one year deal and they were willing to put $11 million on the table for the skill set he brings for one year and give up at least a decent uh, relief prospect. So J.D. Davis fits in that mold, and they have an opening at third base. So, yeah, I mean, is it a one in a 100 shot that it actually happens? Maybe, but it's certainly a possibility. And then do you like J.D. Davis more than Matt Vierling is another question. J.D. Davis had a 738 OPS last year, which is better than Vierling, but I don't know. What is Davis, a first baseman, third baseman? Does he play first and third? Really can play two or three outfield positions, right? So, I mean. Yeah. They're going to, again, It's it seems to be the, the t- like, and it's almost like it fits the tone, too, of the prospect side of things because Malloy, Harris said, all right, we're going to put him out in the outfield. What does he do? Puts him at third base the last month of the season in Toledo. So, it, it is. The position versatility thing is just like where where are they gonna basically where they're gonna put everybody. I mean, I don't think Malloy. I, mean, I think Malloy should be on a team. To what position he should play, I, I don't. Again, I don't. I think he's not a. I think he's kind of a a decent average defender at third, but doesn't have the arm to play every day. Same thing with the outfield. Keith can play him at second. He's fine. I I, I just don't think Cole Keith's at third because the arm is concerned. It, it, Chris has pointed this out. Chris was one of the first people to point this out. The difference between how he releases his arm comparatively speaking before it's kind of, he, he's still not hundred percent since that shoulder injury. So, um, but yeah, there is a uh, suggestion too. What about training for the Dodgers and more prospect Dalton rushing? You know, it's funny. Uh, allegedly, by the way, that the, that he was one of the prospects that was going to come back in the E-Rod trade. Yeah. Stano, you're Stan, you're not too far off from the truth, my friend. That was what was on the table. Alleged allegedly, allegedly. And I use quotations on that. So you know, I'm how often the Tigers do they have the uh, let me start over. If that's your number one prospect in a team's in an organization, right? Who do those guys get traded for? You know, I don't think they get traded for unproven talents too much. You know, you got to have somebody who's kind of proven on the table. I don't know who the Tigers have that would interest the Dodgers. I guess that would be my thing because I, uh, the, the guy who answers the question, you know, Standa, he mentions Matt Manning, and we've talked about Matt Manning in the past. He has ability, you know, definitely. I think that he probably has the ability to have a lot of teams be interested, but facts are he averages 14 starts a year over the last three years. You know, are you going to give up your number one prospect for that? I don't know. I'd be pretty leery of it. Yeah, uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, Sorry. and I mean, I look at Matt Manning, and I don't see how like people are talking about packaging Manning to get a get a better bat. And I don't see how any. I look at Manning, and I see someone who got very very lucky last year. His his batting average on balls in play was under two hundred. I don't see how other teams look at that and be like, oh yeah, Matt Manning, he's a piece in our rotation. He's someone we want to throw out there every five days. I th- I think a lot of last year was just luck and. Granted, he got injured twice and Fuki. unfortunate ways. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he hasn't thrown more than 100 innings in a year, I don't think. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't see Matt Manning being a piece in a trade. Being the well, piece it in the trade. On, it depends on the trade. I think there's there's probably trades that could be made again. But I just think when you're talking about some team's top prospect coming back, eh, questionable. I like Matt Manning more than you guys. You know, and don't get me wrong. I, I agree with everything you're saying. There's there's the luck aspect to it. But here's the thing. Every year I keep hearing he gets lucky. Well, and he keeps getting lucky. <laughs> you know, is uh, he, he tends to, he gets by with whatever he's doing, however he's doing it. When he is available to pitch, he tends to get by. Uh, it's the Jose good. Cisnero effect where you yes. look at Jose Cisnero's baseball savant page <laughs> and you're like, it's going to blow up. It, it's going to happen. And we said that for four years and. It kind of happened this year, but man. Yeah. And Cisnero also has chosen free agency. Just remind folks. I think we talked about this last week, but just, just a gentle reminder out there for people, for example, that are, I saw it earlier. I think I'm going from wrong, but yeah, blood rights out in Korea. So, I mean, then also there's a entire Michigan seal sign gate, which by the way, I'm sorry. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm so sick of hearing about it. I don't want, it's, there's so many layers to it and such BS crap to it. I'm so sick of hearing about it. Period. Yes. It, it wasn't even like, it's not even something like the whole Astro sign stealing thing, like within minutes, like John boy, every reputable, reputable new baseball news person had clear and definitive evidence of what was happening. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't pay that much attention to college football, but it's it's been annoying seeing on the timeline. Yeah, so. someone's stealing someone's stealing your signs. Get better signs. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe an oversimplification, but I it, it, I'm not offended by what Michigan has or hasn't done here in in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, then again, the Packers are struggling too. You personally, you I, I understand you. Might hey, they're one game winning streak. They, they won the other day. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, I mean, at least there's the Lions. So for- now going back to one thing we talked about, tell me this: when it comes to the Tigers' prospects, right? Has there ever been a time you recall three hitting prospects at the top of an organizational list, like Jay Young, Colt Keith, and Justin Henry Malloy, all you know, pretty solid hitters, and we don't have a clue where any of them are going to play. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean we, have, we have morsels of evidence, but we don't, it's not definitive that, yeah, he's going to be in right. He's going to be at second. He's going to be at third. <laughs> it's just this nebulous vagaries out there. Youper, I've, for as long as I've been covering this team, and then as long as I've been a fan of this team, I, I can't remember. This is the first time, probably since the late 70s that the Tigers had three hitting prospects of this type of caliber at the same time. Sure. And that's, that's true. There, as well. 
Yeah, that is. If you look at okay, I can give you. I can give you the. I can give you on a hand on one hand in the nineties how many prospects they had hitting wise. Robert Fick, Frank Caliano, or Ken Leando. Ken Caliano, not the comedian. Caliano. Catalano, thank you. Big Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I said it wrong again. Gabe Kapler and Tony Clark. I'm sorry. And Bo- I'm sorry. Bobby Higginson. Travis Rem is technically 80s. Bobby Higginson. Yeah. And that's really about it. And Davy Cruz technically was a, he was a Dodger Rule 5 signing. So he didn't even come from this organization. In the millennium, in the 2000s, you had Curtis Granderson, you had Brandon Inge. Why am I drawing a blank all of a sudden? Oh, wait, I can't. You know, I mean, like Omar Infante, Ramon Santiago, but they're not, those guys are like, they're all fringe guys. I mean, I mean, Infante was an all-star. These names, it, it, I've never encountered this before. I, I mean, I'm looking at some of the advanced stats too. It's not like Steven Moya where you're like, oh, well, he hit 20 home runs, but he's also striking out a 33% strike or clip rate and plays yeah. ter- terrible defense. And Young was, he was voted by his peers, Baseball America's best second baseman in the Midwest League. Trey Cruz is, you know, somebody mentioned Trey Cruz in the chat. The legendary Eric Munson, too. Nick Castellano. Sorry, Nick Castellano. I was going to get to him as part of the 2010s. But in the 2000s, those are a few names. Nick, and, and you know what? Chris mentioned him as one of the once-in-generation talent, Castellanos. And he's right, along with, with Cole Keith. And you know what, Stan, to tell you the truth, Trey Cruz has went out and played center field naturally. And Gabe Alvarez told us afterwards that he put his best defensive unit out there for the championship. And Cruz was a big part of it. So do we have any inclination or do we have any, I don't, and I, I don't claim to be enough of an expert on anything to know this. When you have these three guys who can hit pretty well, we can all agree on that. They've shown it, but they don't have a home defensively. How does that affect their development over time? Is it, does it delay things? Does it not matter if you can hit, you can hit. It doesn't matter. I, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be very fascinating to see how it plays out with these three guys. Cameron, I don't know what you, your take on this is. If you want to go ahead and go first, but I, I, I think, I think for me, Cole Keefe has enough left to prove. And if you put him down there again, I think it's going to hinder him a little bit because to me, it's like, okay, you're not going to reward me for having a phenomenal year, a year that has been, I mean, in terms of like minor league wise, has been historical because of among the Tigers putrid minor league system in over the last three years. It, it will be malpractice if Colt Keith starts in AAA next year. He would have to have a Spencer Torkelson 2021 spring training he goes like one for 30 with like 18 K's for him to not be in the majors. I think they did him a disservice, not calling up, uh, calling him up at the end of last year. Cause we watched Parker Meadows go through his rookie slump last year, went like what over 29 over a week stretch. And I think at some point Colt Keith's going to have that next year. And we're just going to have to sit through it when instead he could have made adjustments at the end of last year and be ready for this year. But yeah, Cole Keith needs to make the MLB team. Justin Henry Malloy, if he shows enough defensively in spring training, he needs an either left field or third base. He needs to make the team. I don't think Jay Hen can only be a DH. He'll have to play left field. 
I don't like it. AJ Hinch probably doesn't like it, but he'll have to play out there. And then Jace Young should probably start in Triple A. And I don't think he has much to prove either. I think if he has a similar start that Colt Keith like Colt Keith had in Triple A, he'll be up in the majors by the All Star break. But it's just to me again. I don't want to keep harping on it. Are they going to plant a, fl- a you know a, a flag in the ground with these guys and say you're a second baseman, or are they going to let them move around defensively and does that have any effect on them uh, development wise? I don't know. Yeah, that that's the I think development wise. I, I think there's some sort of confusion because like like I said earlier, Malloy was playing the outfield. They wanted him to see the outfield a little more than third base, but then. Like I said, it was just maybe kind of a necessity they put him out there. And then you have Eddie's Leonard to throw in the mix, too. Eddie's Leonard, I mean, he hit the the snot on the ball, too. But as far as why Keith didn't reach the the reason why he was up last year is because also, keep in mind, this is the most amount of games he's ever played in his professional career. Because remember, as you recall, the year before, he had an injury and he was out and he missed half the season. So he he has been playing since the Arizona Fall League last year until this year. So honestly, I don't, I didn't have a problem necessarily having him not up here because I, I think that you had buying at second base um, do well. And so, but as far as what are they going to put him on the uh, roster wise? I think that was clear. Youper that second base is going to be his thing. Okay. And I, I think development wise, I think that's held the same thing with like Winsiel Perez. They have settled the fact that he is going to go in the outfield. He should never see the infield again because he has the yips and just some of the, it's my mouth. He'll make a routine play and all of a sudden it's like Chuck Knobloch on acid all over again. <laughs> so, um, wow. and you know, and Javi Baez brings up a good point here in the, in the chat Would green start as a DH like Harper and Philly. You know what? Yes, and I could see that, but also at the same time, he's so valuable in the outfield, but you want to keep him healthy, and you don't want a situation where you want like a Brian Buxton situation where Buxton's knees are so bad, he can't he cannot play the outfield anymore. And not to say that he's going to head that way, but he's had two injuries, and you want to keep him out there as much as possible. So that's a, that's a very good, well, I, you know, go ahead. I think, you're, I think that, you're part, that could be part of it, but... Harper hurt his throwing arm, right? His 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 UCL was his throwing arm. Green is not correct. It was his left arm. Yeah, it was his non-throwing arm. So his non-throwing arm. So unless they're worried about him just hurting it again on a dive, you know, I I, I would think he might be out there sooner than Harper was in the field. Yeah, and. The situation with Harper is a little different because they had Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos and the corner outfields and like they they needed Harper to not be a DH. They needed to give the DH spot back to Schwarber because Schwarber was costing them games in left field. So it was a different scenario. No one is quite as bad as Schwarber. Even Justin Henry Malloy, as much as it hurts to watch him play left field, is not as bad as Kyle Schwarber out there. So Tyler Matson is talking about he wants a little explanation on Chuck Knobloch. Yes. Chuck Knobloch was with the twins. He was rookie of the year. He was Mr. Grit and hustle. And, you know, the kind of guy who would knock you off your feet kind of guy, you know, 
Uh, and he went to the Yankees. And what happened, Raj? Well, he committed six errors in one game. <laughs> and there was rumors that he was tripping on acid during the during that game. And he was never really the same in New York, who really kind of, I mean, when you're dropped by Kansas City towards the end of your career, and this is Kansas City in the 2000s, that's saying something. I mean, and he just he just lost all ability to well to throw to yeah. first place. He had to lob the ball at the end. I mean, at yeah. times he just lobbed it over there because if he put any mustard on it, it was going who knows where. It was kind of the same thing that happened to Steve Sachs of the Dodgers. Yeah, and also he's a domestic abuser too, so he's also now become a bigger douche. So anyway, not to be judgmental, but it is what it is. But uh, yeah, he yeah for allegedly he was doing acid during that game. Very similar to Doc Ellis, who threw, who pitched on acid, and he that was, was in his documentary. He, he was a little more successful with the acid than uh, yeah. Chuck Dowlock oh. was. He threw it later. Doc Ellis, <laughs> Doc Ellis had like eight walks during that game, though. Yeah. Like he, he was, he was not throwing straight either. Yeah, apparently, also he was banned. There were some, I guess, this is in part of one of the Twins Twins Daily forum blogs, one of those old old chat things. They were saying that he. He was banned from going to the Minnesota Hall of Fame to the Twins Hall of Fame. But there was no secret in New York City that he was actually banned from multiple bars for drugs and boozing too much. So um, anyway, there you go. you're talking about, you're talking about the Major League Two, Nedley Ninja Bees, a catcher who couldn't throw back to the pitcher. So, well, that was actually based on Mickey Hatcher. Do you remember Mickey? Oh, it was, Hatcher? Mickey, it was Mickey Hatcher. Okay, it was Mickey. Hatcher. Yeah, he, he yeah. was he was catching. I think with the Mets or the Dodgers, and he he could throw to second base no problem, but he couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. <laughs> I had that I had that same issue in middle school, so I'm not gonna laugh. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. That's crazy. I think the most errors in one game, by the way, was 18. I think that was set by the Tigers and the White Sox. Many, many, many moons ago. I think that's the most errors in one game. I think. <laughs> but by a single player? Oh, the record. By, oh, I did find it, by the way. It was. Oh, wait. No, no, wait. Oops. Sorry. I found it. Okay. It was. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't it. I'm sorry. Oh, most errors by a game was nine by any. Any by second baseman, any Leonard of the Boston Red Caps in 1876. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. Were they, so were they, were yeah. they using gloves yet? They may not have used gloves yet. <laughs> A couple things that I wanted to address that Cameron brought up in our show sheet, by the way. Tyler Holton was Tiger Rookie of the Year, voted by the Detroit Sports Media, which is different. Well, so, well congratulations deserved. to him. Well deserved, definitely. And we'll, we'll address the Austin Meadows thing here shortly as well. Spencer Trucklesen, Tiger Player of the Year, voted by the Baseball Writers Association, Detroit chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America. I had a vote on that. So normally I wouldn't brag of such things, but this is the first time I got to vote. And cool. yeah, I did not vote for it by Spencer Trucklesen, by the way. I voted for, I'll tell you exactly who I voted for. I voted for Irava Rodriguez and Tarek Skubal. Huh? Yeah. Again, I mean, was that the kind of thing where you could list your top three or top five or something? It was top two. Ah, okay. that was top two. So what it was in, in case of a tiebreaker. So Jake Rogers also got consideration for a vote. 
for he also got first place or considered for the consideration for the vote. And so did Scooble. But it was something I was actually I was talking to Cody Saberhagen because we were wrapping up softball last week for playoffs. And he said Erod, and I had my set. I was thinking about Riley Green based off the production he had before he got injured, but then I'm like, ah. And I, and like, well, I mean, I was thinking about Torque, and he mentioned Erod, and I was like, you know, that's a, crap. He did lead the team in war, mm-hmm. in B war. So, and you look at his numbers overall. I, I the reason why I wasn't going to give it to him, or the reason I was kind of hesitant about it, was his second half. He kind of struggled a little bit, but he ended up pulling it together. So, but yeah. But then Torque, 159 games. He put, he led the team in hits, home runs, doubles. Can't argue that. And do I feel guilty for not considering it? No, I, I don't feel guilty about it at all because I also look at, but his OPS is really good too. But honestly, Torque, Spencer Turkelson deserves it. I mean, he's gotten a lot of crap from fans and he finally came through and look, be that as me about the batting average, whatever. Harris did not, by the way, Harris met with the press out in the, in Scottsdale. So, but there's nothing official out there as of yet, or excuse me, rather any video or anything like that. It's, it, it, you know, I don't give you, it, it had to be hard to make a decision. And I think basing it on Erod's war is legit because let's face it. Every candidate had a drawback, right? I mean, Torkelson had a bad start to the year. I mean, he wasn't very good for at least six weeks there at the beginning, maybe more. Uh, Scooble missed a ton of time. Erod had a disabled list, or excuse me, an injury list stint, and then had some up and down at the end. And he go on down down the list. So there was no drop dead front runner. So I think your choice is as good as any. But Torkelson ended up winning, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm yeah, not I mean, Tyler Holton, rookie of the year, easiest choice or rookie. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. He deserved then, it. I think if yeah, Spencer Torkelson probably would have been my vote with Schoolbull getting consideration because I mean, man, Schoolbull best pitcher in baseball since July fourth to the end of the year by F four at least. So yeah, yeah. Again, it, it hey, look, we're having a debate about this. This is good. It's not yeah. it's not a very like for sure thing where before you know we're talking about. Brandon Dixon leading the team in home runs for Christ's sake. So, I mean, this is a, this is progress folks. The Brandon other thing I want to tiger here. <laughs> I, it God, I, that it was such, <laughs> I, I don't blame the beat writers for them because that team was terrible. Let's uh, I yeah, mean, I 2002 doesn't. Yeah. But it was, Oh man. Oh no, Tyler. I'm sorry. It was for tiger of the year. That was where I had to vote on that. That was a, that's an award by the baseball Detroit baseball writer, Detroit chapter of the baseball writers association of America. So, but as far as lefties go, yeah, Scooble and Holton are the only ones in the there as well. So the Yankees have offered a, the hitting coach position to Tigers hitting coach, James Walson. So that, has that been confirmed yet? Cameron, do you know? Has it been confirmed? It's been confirmed as in he's going to take the position, but oh. the Yankee, they haven't agreed on the contract or anything yet, but it yeah, sounds Mark- like he's taken the position. Taking the job. Okay. So Carlos Mendoza has been hired by the Mets. The Guardians hired Stephen Voigt as their manager, which I thought that was, I don't know, but you guys kind of underwhelmed by that a little bit. 
it feels like a Jim Leland to Brad Osmus type thing, and I'm kind of scared that the Guardians won't won't be good next year. Apparently, he was shoving shoving or shoving manure when he found out about the news. Again, it's it was something <laughs> like I know if you're an ex catcher, you have a good chance of getting a job. I mean, ask yes. Jim Leland. You can ask Gene Lamont. Uh, there, the list goes on and on and on. Bruce Bochy. Brad Osmus, Brad as you Osmus. mentioned, has yeah. been rumored. Ron Washington, who hasn't hasn't managed in a while, has been rumored with the Angels. So that's that, I thought that was. I think Ron Washington deserves another chance. I think he did a really good job in Texas how, beforehand. How how old is he? He's got to be seventies. <laughs> he's he's mid seventies. I mean, he's up there. Wow, <laughs> he's seventy one. He's seventy one. I believe it. Wow, you know what? <laughs> With Dusty Baker retiring, we need another token African-American manager that's older. I always loved that he got busted for cocaine that time when he was 55 and said it was the first time he tried it. <laughs> like, who tries cocaine the first time at 55? Come on. Oh, that gives me time. That gives me time. If you on that timeline, I still got a year so I can think about it. Yeah, I mean, imagine. Anyway. Yeah, the show's gone off the rails, like cocaine. Ah, Ron Washington and Josh Hamilton in the same locker room. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, I mean, right now, Major League Baseball is holding their meetings in Vegas. So imagine the chaos going on around that. Although Vegas doesn't seem like it's cleaned up its act quite a bit. So... But there's a lot of things going on in Vegas that are just go, what stays in Vegas, essentially. But the I did want to get your feedback, guys, on the credit council going to on the on the on the deal to go to the Cubs. It was a big contract. Mm-hmm. And basically, David Ross, given the finger to David Ross, who did a pretty good job. Cubs were in contention. I mean, you brought start with you. What was your initial reaction? Because I, I was well, it was yeah. funny was Bob, how how wrong Bob Nightingale was. Remember, he was like, in New York or Milwaukee. Yes. I wasn't surprised he left, but I was surprised where he went, 100%. I got to believe David Ross will be unemployed for only as long as he wants to be unemployed. I think he'll have a job. I can't see why he wouldn't get a job. It seemed like he was extremely popular. Didn't I didn't hear of any tactical mistakes that he made that were outrageous on a consistent basis or anything like that. I think he's got his – he definitely has a future as a manager. Yeah, I don't think this is the end for him. Yeah, as Stando says, he got screwed, and he did. But council has that reputation of doing more with less, you know, and I'm sure he felt that the Brewers were never going to invest what the Cubs potentially could invest. It's a bigger market with a team that can spend some money. Why not go for it? They threw a boatload of money at him. I mean, can't blame him for turning down $40 million, not turning down $40 million. So crazy move. But I, I, my guess is David Ross will be in a dugout as a manager this year if he wants to be. And Javi Baez in our chat said he was report, it was reported the Padres are interested in Ross. So thank you for that. Cameron, what was your initial impression when you heard about it? Exactly what Stando said, that Ross got screwed. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's a Chicago legend off the 2016 season alone. And yeah, I see him going out west and getting the Padres or Angels job because, I mean, why not? He, uh, he elevated the Cubs this year. Yeah, how about this, guys? I wouldn't guys? want to punish myself and take that Angels job. Oh, That's no, yeah. I would die. 
Yeah. No, I mean, ask Joe Madden about that career change. Well, who's who, what was the worst screw job? The Montreal screw job of Brett the Hitman Hart or David Ross? <laughs> <laughs> Cameron like has it. no idea what we're talking about, right? Cameron, no? Okay. Youper, you, you have an idea what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. I don't know the, all. I'm not 100% on all the details of it, but I've certainly heard about the Hitman. Got really right. screwed on that so for anybody watching us on YouTube, by the way, or listening to the podcast at home now, the Montreal screw job, just look up Montreal screw job. And essentially Vince McMahon, he was, he let the, it was supposed to be that Brad the hitman Hart was supposed to drop the title and he was not going to lose the title in his hometown, in his home country of Canada. And uh, yeah. And then uh, it was Shawn Michaels won the match and essentially Bret Hart spit in Vince, Man, Vince McMahon's face because he was ready to go to WCW. That's what it was. So, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, they see even Deadly Ninja Bees. I, <laughs> Montreal, I'm still pissed. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah. Rick, yeah, so the the Cubs did that to Rick Renteria to hire Joe. I forgot about that, too. Renteria. I forgot about sure. that. That's a good call there. So, yeah, there's... I personally think that if it, I think Craig Council is a fine manager, um, I don't. I, and, but the reason why I don't see him blame him leaving Milwaukee too is because the Brewers are not going to spend. The Brewers are going to. There's a, there's a team. I I seriously believe more now after reading that about the the stadium, about them not potentially a new stadium deal. The Brewers are going to move to Nashville. I, I just maybe Nashville, maybe Charlotte, Cameron. Or you, you don't think that's going to happen? Oh, I think it might happen and it will be a shame because I feel like the Brewers have a good fan base. I feel like all the Midwest teams have a good fan base and a lot of times they get screwed over by various things. Yeah, agreed in this case. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you lived in and lived in that area. So, I mean, the Brewer, I mean, how core, how hardcore Brewer fans up there? Well, there are. There's no question about that. I will, I'm, I'm very skeptical they'll move. I think they just want to saber rattle a little bit that, you know, we could move unless you invest more into the park, what we want, you know, and my guess is most local governments acquiesce at some point, at least something. And Milwaukee probably will. They're going to want to keep the brewers. I, I would be very surprised. And if they did move and I think they would have the Rays move in there pretty quickly because I won't believe the Rays get a new, they have some kind of agreement now. I don't believe they're going to get a new stadium until I see them open the door, you know, to, to when it's built. The race have the new stadium, but it's still in St. Petersburg. The whole issue with the race being <laughs> in Tampa is everyone has to cross the freaking bridge to get to them. And they want it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't believe it. They say, say they, they say they have something cooking. I don't believe it. So no. on the great council thing, eight million, eight million a year for five years. I think it was 40 million in total. So yeah. AJ Hinch, are you... Are you giving him eight plus million to keep keep being Tigers manager? I guess I would. we're two years out from that. Yeah, yeah, two more full seasons out from that. But yeah, by the way, if, there's a big. Go ahead, you, you Well, no, I was going to say if they think he's the best guy, then yeah, I mean it's chump change. I mean it, you, you pay you're paying Mark Canna eleven million dollars to be slightly above average league average part time outfielder, right? I mean, my gosh, I mean in. If he's worth $11 million, you can't tell me the guy who's pulling all the strings in the clubhouse, which is supposedly a pretty important position, isn't worth $8 bucks. I mean, if that's what it takes to keep him, you know, whatever. 
Mike Illich or Chris Illich can afford it. The ghost of Mike Illich can afford it. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a fundamental thing too. There's one thing that was kind of a, a big uproar that AJ Hinch sold his condo in Birmingham for $2.3 million. And there was just like, well, there's speculation that n- n- stop. Look at the housing market right now, folks. You're, you're right now, your house is worth a lot. I mean, some of the prices are going for ridiculous. And look, maybe he's finding a place more permanent. Who knows? But you're selling a condo in Birmingham for $2.3 million. That's good real estate speculation, my friends. That's just smart business dealing right there. The guy went to Stanford, and he saw the writing on the wall and was like, like for example, I, I, I got my interest rate at 3.9. Now, I mean, interest rates are what, 8, 9 oh, per house? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Every every day I get some piece of crap junk mail in my in my inbox or my my physical mail. Oh, buy your house. Yeah. F off. Like just enough. So yeah, I, I think yeah, Hinch is not yeah, relax, folks. Maybe he bought maybe he bought a cottage in Irish Hills or maybe he bought a house in St. Clair Shores. I don't know. But the point is, I wouldn't worry about it. So on that note, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. So if anything does happen in the next couple of days, free agent wise, you know, we'll be doing a podcast. Chris and I will be doing a minor league recap of things. We're doing the t- Tigers tool series. And I'm also writing an article of the five best or excuse me, the four best Tiger minor league games of the year. Cole Keith's info cycles, one of them. We have a couple more. So that stay tuned for that. That'll be on Tigers ML reports. I've been filling in on Motor City Bengals too. So I'm writing over there. Thanks for everybody. OBK, thank you. Tyler Madsen, as always. Madsen, thank you for Stando. I like to do picture. Yeah, so we'll be back if anything happens during the week. Otherwise, uh, we'll be, or excuse me, we'll be back next Tuesday. But if anything happens, breaking will be all over it. And uh, our thanks to Cam, or our thanks to Crystal for joining us. And Cameron, thanks for jumping on today. I really appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you guys soon. Have a good evening, everybody. Take care. Night, night.